The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. The day is finally here. Today is the end of the Donald Trump era. It is the start of the presidency of Joe Biden, who will be or has already been sworn in by the time you listen to today's show. By the time you watch this clip, it has felt like so long. And at the same time, it feels like just yesterday that I was watching those numbers come in from Florida at 725 p.m. Eastern time in November of 2016 and thinking this isn't looking quite so good for Hillary Clinton. But we've talked about all that. And today is the day where Trump out Biden in and uh, finally the beginning of getting beyond the global historic nightmare that has been the Trump administration. But Donald Trump did not leave quietly. Yes, he was quiet on Twitter because he was suspended. Yes, we didn't see any live uh, press conference or speech from Donald Trump. Uh, in the lead up to his final days. But Trump was never going to leave totally quietly. And he delivered yesterday a deranged and meandering screed of a speech. We will look only at a few clips today. We are all so glad to be getting beyond this. But it's important to know what were the last utterances to slip from Trump's mouth. The theme yesterday in this pre-recorded speech The theme was Trump taking credit for really anything that he could, even just general delusions of grandeur uh, like this one. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. Of course, whatever achievements you think did take place during this Trump administration, historically will be outweighed dramatically by the massive, overwhelming failures of the administration on everything, in particular on covid, on global relations, on climate. And I could go on. And as I've said before, had Trump properly handled the virus response, it would be Trump being sworn in for four more years today, not Joe Biden. We saw it happen in other countries. And that was Trump's undoing. He couldn't control that he had to deal with the virus. Nobody could. But proper handling of the virus did lead to reelections for leaders that handled it correctly. Trump wildly and incorrectly claiming that now the world respects us and warns that we should avoid losing the respect he believes or claims to have secured for the United States completely delusional. And we know uh, we, we know that for a fact. Take a look. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. So this has been widely studied. We don't have to speculate. We don't have to guess. We don't need conjecture. Respect for the United States around the world. Absolutely in the toilet. You know, those toilets, Trump says he you know, would have to flush 10 or 15 times if Joe Biden's environmental regulations get in. Well, that's where the global reputation is for the United States in the toilet. And the challenge will actually be the opposite of what Donald Trump says. It will be. Can Joe Biden restore respect for the United States with Trump gone? What countries are willing to say, OK, let, let's let's reestablish 
mutual trust and respect after Trump is gone. I think many countries will be willing to do that uh, because it matters that uh, we reestablish those alliances. It matters for them as much as it matters for us. But no, Trump with with opposite opposite day speech, the respect was lost under Trump. Trump also interestingly saying he deliberately chose the tough battles rather than taking the easy path. He sort of framed during this pre-recorded uh, speech that was released yesterday. He said, you know, part part of what made his administ his presidency tough was he chose to do the tough things, sort of a, um, an allusion in some sense to John F. Kennedy, but failing miserably to make any kind of analogy. President, my top priority, my constant concern has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. This one is interesting because in a way it's sort of a positive moment. He's not attacking anyone necessarily, not directly anyway, but it's also very disconnected from reality. He actually chose easy things and messed them up. And he also messed up things that every president has to deal with. And he also messed up things that every world leader was presented with and dealt with better than Trump. Coronavirus, of course, being at the top of that list. Trump did say, and I think this is the closest I've ever heard Trump be to conciliatory in any way. Trump said he is praying for the success of the next administration. But there's a little weird tweak he adds in there that I want to talk about. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes and we also want them to have luck. A very important word. Trump has to add something snarky or weird, and it's Trump mentioning luck. And this is a reference to Trump seeing himself as having had bad luck that he had to deal with the coronavirus pandemic. But more importantly, Trump didn't even mention Joe Biden in this 20 minute speech. Trump mentions the next administration as he did in these vague terms about eight to 10 days ago. But he never says Joe Biden. And he didn't say it today in another uh, final screed that we will get to. And it is another one of these signals about the petulant child that is Donald Trump. Now, it is true that without Trump's mishandling of the pandemic, he would have been reelected. I talked about that moments ago. But Trump handling the pandemic well is not a question of luck. It's just a question of who was determined to do it and who was capable of doing it, as we saw many world leaders do. The bad luck was actually for us. The bad luck was for the world that we were so unlucky that it was Trump in power when the global hundred year pandemic hit just about anyone else, including just, you know, a high school science teacher, any like anybody who would have just said, oh, this is a situation where we need experts. Let's defer to them from day one would have worked out better than having Trump in power. That's bad luck for us. It wasn't Trump's bad luck. Uh, Trump wrapping up the end of uh, this uh, pre-recorded speech by taking a page out of Kimberly Guilfoyle's playbook. Remember from the Republican National Convention, the best is yet to come. You remember that. Here's Trump uh, using that phrase. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart and optimistic spirit 
and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. So another lame speech to cap off a lame failed presidency that we are thrilled to see finally over. And notice that in this entire speech, Trump didn't mention Joe Biden. As I said earlier, he completely glossed over 400,000 coronavirus deaths, although he mentioned that this morning. He glosses over the pro Trump riots that he inspired at the Capitol two weeks ago and the uh, militarized state of the city as Trump leaves thanks to him. And it is yet another pathetic joke. Now, one little extra goodbye on his way out. Trump revoked the executive order that banned administration officials from becoming lobbyists within five years of leaving government. Drain the swamp, right, my friends? And that's something that really should be codified into law rather than left up to administrations. Uh, We will be covering the inauguration. But first, Trump's final weird sort of rally like goodbye happened this morning. Let's talk about that next. Donald Trump uh, did not go to Joe Biden's inauguration, breaking with tradition. The first president in, I believe, 152 years not to go to their replacements inauguration. Trump left. He went to Florida early this morning, but on his way out, he did leave the White House and take the Marine One helicopter to Andrews Air Force Base. And before getting on Air Force One for that final flight, delivered a five or seven minute speech and said even more things that make no sense to a very deflated crowd. Trump asking to be remembered if things improve under Biden. Trump saying if things do get better in the next few months, it's because of me. Please remember me. You're going to see incredible numbers start coming in if everything is sort of left alone. Be careful. Very complex. Be careful. But you're going to see some incredible things happening. And uh, remember us when you see these things happening, if you would. Remember us because uh, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at elements of our economy that are set to be a rocket ship up. It's a rocket ship up. Very powerful elements of the economy that he's looking at, as he says there. How long overdue is it for this nightmare to be over? Uh, This morning's speech really reminded me of that. Trump still using the term China virus. Another aspect of how this morning's speech was almost the same as the campaign speeches Trump had been giving. China virus. It's a uh, horrible thing that was put onto the world. We all know where it came from, but it's a horrible, horrible thing. So be very careful. Be very, very careful. But we want to pay uh, great love, great love to all of the people that have suffered, including families who have suffered so gravely. Uh, And then uh, that's really the first time I've heard Trump sincere, sort of sincerely mention the people who have actually suffered from the virus. Trump, for good measure. He can't get away from these things again, claiming the 1918 flu started in 1917. We don't know why he's been saying this for a year, but he said it again. Put it in a position like it's never been before, despite the worst plague to hit since, I guess you'd say 1917, over 100 years ago. And it is a goodbye for now as Donald Trump pledges to be back and says, have a nice life to the crowd, sort of the send off we would expect from the guy who never really cared about his supporters as people. 
He cared for, uh, about them only in so far as it was useful to his political goals. The things that we've done have been just incredible, and I couldn't have done them done it without you. So just a goodbye. We love you. We will be back in some form. And again, uh, I want to just in leaving, I want to thank our vice president, Mike Pence and Karen. I want to thank Congress because we really worked well with Congress, uh, at least certain elements of Congress. But we really did. We've gotten so much done that nobody thought would be possible. But I do want to thank Congress. And I want to thank all of the great people of Washington, D.C., all of the people that we worked with to put this miracle together. So have a good life. We will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So there it is. Have a nice life. And you hear YMCA cranking up there a surreal and bizarre moment. And with that, Donald Trump is done flying off into the sunrise, not into the sunset. It was early this morning, flying off to Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, before Joe Biden's inauguration, alluding to we don't know if it's a 2024 run, although I don't expect that. We don't know if it's alluding to there were rumors of Trump starting a new party to be different than the Republican Party, <clears throat> rumors of many different things. We just don't know. But hours before leaving office, Donald Trump issuing 143 pardons. And I do want to talk about that just hours before flying off to Palm Beach, Florida and skipping the inauguration. Donald Trump issued his final list of pardons. And he is not on the list and his children are not on the list. And we will talk a little bit about why momentarily a lot of speculation about that. But the list does include a variety of individuals, 143 pardons, maybe most prominently Steve Bannon, former White House chief strategist and close advisor to Donald Trump, pardoned. Now, the insane there is nothing more Trumpy than the following. Steve Bannon was arrested for felony fraud for defrauding build the wall donors. These were pro Trump donors who wanted to build the wall. They donated to this. Hey, give us money and we'll build it. And it was a total scam. Trump pardoned the guy who scammed Trump's own supporters. And if you needed any more proof that Trump never cared about his supporters beyond how they were useful to him politically, it is the pardon of Steve Bannon. How many times does Trump need to betray his own supporters before they realize Trump never cared about them to begin with? Also uh, pardoned Elliot Broidy, former Republican finance chair, Kwame Kilpatrick, former Democratic mayor of Detroit, Randy Duke Cunningham, a former Republican congressman, Rick Renzi, former Republican congressman, Robin Hayes, former Republican congressman, two rappers, Lil Wayne and Kodak Black. Uh, notably missing from the list are pardons for his family and pardons for himself. And this apparently was the culmination of a pretty dramatic couple of days where on Saturday evening, this is a report from CNN, um, Donald Trump was warned. He had a, a long meeting with his advisors on Saturday night. And at that point, he still was leaning towards pardoning in advance his children, his son in law, maybe Rudy Giuliani and possibly even himself. And he was told, don't do it. 
He was told if you pardon them and even yourself, you will be placing yourself in a legally perilous position. It will convey the appearance of guilt. It will potentially make you more vulnerable to reprisals. And indeed, Donald Trump um, acquiesced to that and uh, decided not to pardon his children and not to pardon himself. Some of these warnings came from White House counsel Pat Cipollone, uh, as well as another attorney, uh, Eric Hirschman, who was involved in defending Trump in his first impeachment trial. And they all said to Trump, do not pardon yourself. Do not pardon your family. Do not pardon uh, any anybody in a prospective manner unless you will list specific crimes. And that was the concern. A blanket preemptive pardon had Trump said, well, I pardon Ivanka in advance for campaign finance crimes, as an example. His lawyer said that would be better, but it also is pointing a finger at specific crimes you believe maybe they would be charged with. And in the end, Trump deciding I'm not going to pardon any of them. And even after Saturday, Trump kept bringing this up, even after people around Trump thought it's done, he's not going to pardon his kids or himself. Trump kept bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. And the final meeting reportedly where Trump finally was convinced, OK, I'm not going to do it took place on a Saturday evening. And it's interesting as a general thing, because Trump has often ignored advice given advice given to him. In fact, Trump ignoring advice given to him is responsible for much of the trouble that he got into during his presidency. And uh, there is a reason why defense attorneys say, even if you think you had nothing to do with the crime, it's better not to answer questions to law enforcement. Just call a lawyer and say you don't want to say anything. Uh, there's a reason why that's the case. And much of Donald Trump's trouble, if we look back at his beleaguered four years, much of that trouble caused by Trump choosing to speak rather than not by Trump, Trump choosing to act rather than doing nothing and just waiting for things to happen without his involvement. And I don't know if there's a lesson here. I mean, the real lesson should be how on earth, how how can we prevent 75 million people from being bamboozled by this guy and thinking it's a good idea to elect him? That's really the lesson that hopefully we would learn and and, and somehow prevent in the future. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that has been learned, but the pardon list, the final pardon list is out. So this is the end of the Trump era and the beginning of the Biden era. Tomorrow we will have the timing of today made it difficult to have inauguration coverage today on the show. We'll be covering it live and maybe you're with us right now. Maybe you watched it earlier with us tomorrow. We will have coverage of the Biden inaugural, the initial speech scheduled to have a press briefing already from Trump's in, uh, Biden's incoming press secretary Jen Psaki tonight. And then Joe Biden already scheduled today to sign a bunch of executive orders, which you can be sure we will be uh, looking at tomorrow and seeing if Joe Biden sticks to his promises. So quick break. Let me know your thoughts about what's go. Excuse me. What's going on on Twitter, where you can find me at D Pacman and then a bunch of final stories to tie up some loose ends coming up here. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. A lot of the shirts you see me wearing on YouTube are actually made by a company called Teddy Stratford. I love these shirts, and that's why I asked them to be a sponsor of the show. It really is the most innovative shirt you can buy 
because most slim fit button up shirts give you this weird stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are. You don't get that with the Teddy Stratford shirts because all of their shirts come with a patented zipper hidden beneath the buttons, which prevents the chest from stretching apart like that. But most importantly, just overall, it makes the shirt fit much better and look better. The carefully designed shirt is also cut in a way that improves the look of your upper body physique. It has a really nice, elegant, close fit that other shirts don't really give you. It also has a specially designed collar that won't fall down and lay flat, which I love. The difference all around with these shirts really is noticeable. Go check them out at davidpackmancom slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. One of our sponsors today is Trivia Star, a free trivia game for mobile devices with over 60 different trivia categories, including things I know you would love like geography, history, science, many other great topics, movies, sports, food. I've been having a bunch of fun with it because I, as the player, get to choose the category. So I'm only answering questions on topics I'm interested in. There are over a thousand different levels to progress to over 10,000 different questions, which get harder over time. So it gets more and more interesting as you play. If you love trivia like I do, I remember the days pre virus of going out to trivia at a bar and you want a fun way to keep yourself sharp. Check it out. Really well designed game. Four point nine star rating and the number one rated mobile trivia game in the world and totally free. Download it in the Apple or Android app stores. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. The number one place to get memberships during the Joe Biden era is, of course, joinpacman.com. Grab a membership, get instant access to the bonus show, the commercial free audio feed, the commercial free video feed, all of that great stuff. Plus the feeling of knowing you are supporting an alternative to homogenous corporate media. Joinpacman.com is the place to do it. And uh, what a day to do it, by the way. Um, there are increasing discussions as we transition from Donald Trump to Joe Biden about the possibility of Joe Biden pardoning Donald Trump. And we have heard from folks on the right. We've heard even from some folks on the left. We've heard from national security figures and others. Maybe Joe Biden should do for the country what Gerald Ford did for the country to Richard Nixon, which is to pardon Nixon the way that Joe Biden could pardon Donald Trump. I think that this is a disastrous idea and under no circumstances whatsoever should Joe Biden pardon Donald Trump. First of all, merely on the facts, Trump has been way worse than Nixon, much more weaponized, much more dangerous to the United States. Uh, uh, in in terms of what the U.S. is supposed to be as a democracy and everything else that we believed at, uh, up at least until Donald Trump was elected, the U.S. was supposed to be. Secondly, the mere idea 
that you would be able to unite with these absolutely delusional Trumpists if Joe Biden were to pardon Donald Trump is a complete and total fantasy. And so when I hear anecdotally people across the political spectrum to differing degrees saying, I don't know, maybe Joe Biden should look at pardoning Donald Trump. Absolutely not. Uh, Let's look at some of the arguments. One argument is if Biden pardons Trump, it prevents Trump from pardoning himself which would be terrible. But the timing doesn't make any sense. By the time Biden can do the pardoning, Trump can no longer do it. Maybe the idea was if Biden sends a signal that he'll pardon Trump, then maybe Trump would doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It wouldn't get a single Trumpist to cooperate with the Biden administration. It just will never happen. And if you've been paying attention the last four years, how could you possibly think that there's anything Joe Biden could do that would get a significant portion of Trump is to cooperate with the Biden administration. I heard former FBI director James Comey, for example, suggesting a pardon, quote, as part of healing the country and getting us to a place where we can focus on things that are going to matter over the next four years. Give me a break, Jim. The Trump wing of the Republican Party is not going to heal. They're not going to participate in any healing, at least that's for sure. If Joe Biden were to pardon Donald Trump, it wouldn't make any difference. It will become it actually may be worse. It may become part of the conspiracy theories. They will say, well, Biden was forced to do it as part of a deal to protect Hunter or some kind of harebrained thing. It won't work. It's it's nuts to think that it would. Another reason not to pardon Donald Trump is that we need Trump and his family to be as busy as possible dealing with civil lawsuits, investigations and possible charges that will come to the Trump organization, to the Trump campaign and maybe even to Trump and his family members as well, because that may actually be what prevents Donald Trump from running again in 2024. Let's not give Trump any escape from years of being stuck in a legal hellhole, which is likely where he's going to end up now. In contrast to Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon had not been impeached. Richard Nixon resigned to avoid impeachment after he lost the support of the Republican Party. Republicans went to Richard Nixon and said, it's over. We will have to convict you in an impeachment if you don't resign. And Nixon resigned. Contrast that which with what happened with Trump. Trump has been impeached twice and Republicans have basically stayed with Trump. Okay, Mitt Romney on one count in the first impeachment voted to convict. So far, we don't know when the second impeachment trial of Trump will be, but so far, 10 Republican members of the House voted to impeach Trump last week. But the vast majority of Republican voters are still with Donald Trump. With Nixon, there was actually a reason to say, listen, Republicans came together with Democrats. They all went to Nixon and they said, you've got to go. We will impeach if you don't go. There is at least more of an arguable defense of pardoning Nixon. The Trump fiasco is the opposite. Trump has refused to even consider that he did anything wrong. Never mind resignation. Republicans stood by Trump during impeachment. Number one, despite obvious signs that Trump must go and he was descending further and further into the authoritarianism that we saw around the November 2020 election. So by pardoning Trump, you are in effect also excusing the behavior of the Republican Party 
in standing by him and in spreading disinformation. So the situation is drastically different. And then lastly, although Trump and the Republican Party claim to be the party of law and order, they're not. We saw Trump's scofflaw nature his entire presidency. We saw the January 6th Trump riots. We know that they are the furthest thing from the party of law and order for Joe Biden to pardon Trump would be to effectively say you are now immune from lawbreaking. Joe Biden should be the president of law and order, which means he can't pardon Donald Trump. But on the other hand, it should be Joe Biden will not be involved in any Trump investigation. Joe Biden should simply say to his Justice Department, to whoever, I will have nothing to do with investigations into the former president. I won't ask you to investigate and I will not ask you not to work through the evidence, work through allegations and do what you need to do. That's law and order. What Trump has done is not law and order. Now, is there any reason to think Joe Biden plans to pardon Donald Trump? There is not. Uh, Joe Biden has previously said he would not pardon Trump. We know lately more and more people have been saying Biden should pardon Trump. But hopefully, as far as we know right now, Joe Biden has not changed his mind on that. And I hope that he does not. If you disagree with me, let me know. I want to hear from you um, as if we need any last disastrous revelations about the Trump administration as it ends. Uh, we found out now that the Trump administration, through its coronavirus stimulus, actually gave $850,000, listen to this, to anti-vaccine groups while the Trump administration publicly claimed to be pushing vaccination. The Trump administration gave anti-vaccine groups cash, I guess, because they were affected by the pandemic. It's absolutely and completely insane. Five prominent anti-vaccine organizations known to spread misleading disinformation about the virus and vaccines received more than eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the Paycheck Protection Program. Of course, making us ask, why are they giving money to groups that oppose their stated agenda? The stated agenda of the Trump administration is vaccines are good and people should get them. And yet they gave money to groups saying all sorts of dishonest and deceptive things about the virus and about vaccines. The groups are the National Vaccine Information Center should be called the Disinformation Center, Mercola Health Resources, the Informed Consent Action Network, the Chil uh, Children's Health Defense um, and the Ten Penny Integrative Medical Center. OK. These are groups that to different degrees are anti-vaccine and spread anti-vaccine disinformation. Some of these groups have Facebook pages that have been suspended temporarily or permanently uh, because they spread disinformation. Some of these groups aren't allowed to buy Facebook ads because they spread disinformation. And for some reason, the Trump administration, through its PPP program, gave them money. Who could have guessed that there would be abuse when a program PPP that was supposed to have oversight just doesn't? Oh, right. That's actually completely predictable. And one of the stories of the Trump administration to think about in the future will be Trump placating and pandering to many lunatic fringes. 
Anti-vax is just one of them. One of the really important things to understand. And over the last four years, I, I've yelled at anyone who will listen to me about it. We've done interviews about conspiratorial thinking. We've done interviews about how these types of thinking develop and the overlaps between people prone to what we call bottomless skepticism. Skepticism is good. Bottomless skepticism that can never be satisfied that anything is, as some others say, uh, is not healthy. And what we found out is that not only are many Trump followers prone to conspiratorial thinking, uh, Trump himself has placated and pandered to many of these lunatic fringes. Anti-vax, we saw that very early in uh, even during the transition period of Donald Trump. Um, and uh, we've seen Trump placate all sorts of other lunatic fringes, including those who thought that there, there were. I mean, listen, first of all, the, the so-called virus skeptics who for months said it's like the flu. That's a lunatic fringe, um, but also people with really wacky ideas about uh, how elections work and what the law is around elections. And, and anyway, we've covered a lot of them over time. Uh, but um, what one other thing I was thinking of is, you know, Donald Trump said he considers himself a wartime president. He says coronavirus is a war. He said it was against the China virus. That's not what we call it. But he believes that he uh, has been a wartime president. If you give money to the anti-vaccine group during war, isn't that treason? <laughs> I don't know. Certainly something to think about. And uh, I, I hope my hope is that if the Joe Biden stimulus happens, um, I hope that the monitoring and the regulation and the oversight actually happens. And this money to anti-vax groups would be just one of many things that hopefully would be prevented. We're going to have more, including the inauguration of Joe Biden on our Instagram, where you can find us at David Pakman show. Find me on Instagram at David The David Pakman show at davidpakman.com. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. One of the things I make a priority on the show is not to perpetuate stigma for things that don't deserve it. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about many things where we should all just be respectful adults, period, and we would be better off. And Blue Chew can increase performance and give you that extra confidence you may be looking for. Bluechew.com, blue like the color blue, is the first chewable with the same FDA approved ingredient as in Viagra and Cialis. It can be taken day or night, even on a full stomach, since it's chewable. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed doctors. You don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at a pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. We've got a special deal for our viewers and listeners. Go to bluechew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Pacman. That's P A K M A N. Pay just $5 shipping. That's B L U E chew.com. Promo code Pacman to try it totally free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the David Pacman show. 
One of our sponsors is Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer owned company shipping super quality CBD directly from their farm to your door. They cut out the middleman, which saves you money and gets you the freshest possible product, which includes tinctures, flour, gummies, skin topicals, even CBD coffee which I've really enjoyed. The whole team loves Sunset Lake CBD, especially their CBD oil and the gummies. We always say send us more every time we run out. CBD is reported as being useful for relieving stress, pain, inflammation. Some people use it before bed to help with sleep. And Sunset Lake is where you want to get your CBD because they pay employees a living wage. Their farm is sustainable. And of course, because they support progressive shows like ours. They're giving David Pakman show listeners 20% off when you go to davidpakman.com/cbd and use the coupon code Pakman. That's coupon code P A K M A N. You can find the URL in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. I want to talk a little bit about the repercussions and and the fallout, um, uh, including positive fallout from the suspension of Donald Trump from Twitter. Now, we can have a reasonable debate about the suspension of Donald Trump from Twitter. There's no question that he did violate the terms and conditions of Twitter, and he's been violating them for years. And if any non president were doing that, they would have been suspended from Twitter long ago. At the same time, the counterpoint would be that there's value in hearing from what world leaders say, and thus the suspension is in some way uh, a detriment to. Um, knowing what it is that our leaders are feeling and saying and doing or whatever the case may be. I don't want to focus on that in this particular segment because there have been a lot of headlines floating around that election misinformation has dropped dramatically since Donald Trump was banned from Twitter. And of course, that's true. It absolutely has online misinformation about election fraud is down 73 percent after not only Twitter, but several social media sites suspended Donald Trump uh, about eight, nine, ten days ago. This is based on a report from Zignal Labs. And when you look at this, if you believe that the sole cause of the reduction of disinformation is Trump's suspension from these platforms, uh, that is a big uh, endorsement of this as a policy that if you identify particularly important uh, sort of nodes of disinformation by uh, getting rid of them, you stop the trickle down as it effectively is of disinformation. Trump, with what were I think 80 or something million followers on Twitter, would tweet disinformation. And then these kind of next level people like his family and prominent journalists and influencers would retweet and, and signal boost the same bogus ideas. And then you would have lower level media and voters and, and it continues and continues. And next thing you know, uh, you know, your great aunt, who's not even uh, on Twitter, is hearing about some of these ideas Sunday morning on Fox Business uh, to point to Maria Bartiromo as as an example. I think that the analysis has to go a little bit deeper, though, uh, because when Donald Trump was suspended from Twitter and from these other platforms, other things also went on that would explain the dramatic reduction in disinformation around the election. And we can't say it was merely suspending Trump. For example, um, about 70,000 QAnon associated accounts were purged from Twitter at the same time. 
it's not just Trump being gone. It's Twitter buckling down on a lot of these signal boosting accounts, sanctions on a parlor in so far as Apple and Google said no more parlor on our app stores. And um, Amazon said we're not hosting parlor anymore. That's also a factor in reducing the spread of this election disinformation. The election was also certified and the Capitol got stormed and it created a completely new look at the circumstances for a lot of people. So I just don't think we can point merely to Trump being suspended and saying that's why election disinformation is down 73 percent to say it's down 73 percent because Trump was banned from Twitter seems like a stretch to me to say it coincided along with these other reasons makes a lot of sense to me. And part of me hopes that this will help to deprogram some people who have fallen into fanaticism. But unfortunately, if you believe that it wasn't disinformation, in other words, if you hear me say election disinformation is down 73 percent and your reaction is that wasn't disinformation, the truth about the elections is down 73 percent because they're censoring it, then the fact that I'm reporting this will become part of the conspiracy. And as I've said before, it's very hard to argue against folks who are committed to those uh, narratives. I, I will say one other thing. We've talked a lot about the importance of deprogramming, deprogramming Trumpists and deprogramming conspiracy theorists and the like. On tomorrow's show, we are going or maybe on Friday, but I'm, I'm hoping it'll be tomorrow if we have time for it. We are going to do a deep dive on a recent focus group that was done with Trump voters. OK, this, it's, it's unbelievable. Frank Luntz did a focus group with 12 Trumpists after the January 6th riots. And everything about this focus group tells us what we need to know about the uphill battle of deprogramming Trumpists and in particular the role that right wing radical media has on it being so difficult to deprogram them. So tomorrow or Friday, we're going to do a deep dive into that. One of the most overrated lightweights to take a term from Trump's vocabulary is former uh, South Carolina governor and former Trump ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley wasted no time in appearing on farcical Newsmax hosted by by Sean Spicer. Yeah, that Sean Spicer, Trump's pathetic former press secretary, Sean Spicer. And she went on to talk to Sean Spicer on Newsmax, rehabilitating the same tired, predictable talking points that I've been telling you for a year now would instantly reappear when a Democrat is sworn into office and Donald Trump leaves. Now, a year ago, we didn't even know which Democrat it might be that replaces Donald Trump, but it didn't matter. No matter which Democrat replaced Trump, they would go, oh, dead and deficit. We can't afford this. We can't afford that. The far left socialists are taking over. We knew what the playbook was going to be. And here is Nikki Haley playing her role, saying that Joe Biden's far left foreign policy is going to be very dangerous. Listen to her answer after Sean Spicer manages to cough out this softball question. You have this new op-ed out that you talk about the Democrats going leftward. But I want to talk about this in the context of 
Biden and his foreign policy, specifically who he's appointed and who and the policies that he's going to pursue. Can you kind of talk about where you think uh, the Biden foreign policy and the Biden personnel picks are going to go direction wise? I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm extremely concerned about um, what's going on. You've got Iran. They're in the process of producing nuclear weapons. And here Biden wants to get back into the Iran deal. She's very concerned by Notice the idiocy of what she says. She says, look, Iran is producing nuclear weapons and Biden wants back into the deal. Don't let them trick you. OK, first of all, Iran is resuming resuming research into nuclear. They're not producing weapons yet, but they could. But th- what she's saying is not true. But yes, Iran is resu- resuming research. Why is Iran resuming research into nuclear power and nuclear uh, uh, energy, which could be used for weapons? Iran is doing that because they abided by the nuclear deal that Barack Obama struck with them. Trump came into office and simply canceled it without Iran having done anything wrong. So, of course, as I told you the day Trump did this, that Iran was going to go back to nuclear research and they did. The Iran deal was the only thing keeping Iran from doing the nuclear research. And now Nikki Haley is already blaming Biden for wanting to get back into the deal, which was actually working to stop Iran from developing. Is this bad faith or is Nikki that ignorant? I have a really hard time believing that Nikki Haley is this ignorant. I assume that this is just bad faith pandering to a radical Newsmax audience that doesn't know any better. Let's listen to a little bit more of this. When you look at his picks for cabinet and otherwise, I mean, from John Kerry to Susan Rice, you it you don't have to be, you know, that much of a historian to know where this is going. And I think this is going to be to the left of Obama. I think we need to hold on to our wallets, And I think we need to stop with all of the, the finger pointing and the he said, she said, and we've got to get to work. This is this is going to hurt. And we need to really be focused on where we're going to go from here. Isn't that just outrageous and pathetic? John Kerry and Susan Rice, completely uncontroversial milk toast, moderate Democrats, nothing radical about John Kerry and Susan Rice, nothing socialist about them. John Kerry, very smart, more than well qualified, understands climate issues. These are the far left scary people now. John Kerry is far left now. And then, of course, she says we've got to hold on to our wallets. What you might be wondering. What is she talking about? Trump exploded the deficit more than any recent president, more than Obama, more than Bush. Clinton had a surplus. Never mind. What is she talking about? The stimulus and infrastructure spending that Biden wants is much needed. It generates revenue by creating jobs and putting money back into the hands of small businesses. So I I hate that I'm right about this. I hate that I was right. And many of you were as well. You emailed me and said, David, they're going back to debt and deficit and all of this stuff. They aren't even waiting for Joe Biden to be sworn in to get back to the pathetic talking points that we had a four year break from. The question is, are the same right wingers going to fall for these same talking points again or has the ship sailed? Remains to be seen. But there is going to be plenty of this on Fox News, on OAN and on Newsmax. And it is going to take everything we have to take a group that has already they're already so in need of deprogramming 
And now you're going to see Newsmax and OAN scale up and maybe you'll see Fox News do it as well to try to keep up with them. It's going to be a very much uphill battle and they are wasting no time. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors today is Lucy, and they are giving my audience 20 percent off. Lucy is a company founded by Caltech scientists with only one mission, which is to help people quit smoking and vaping by offering a clean, affordable nicotine alternative. Now, many of you know, you've heard the stories. I've known several people in my life who have struggled with quitting smoking. I've seen how difficult it can be. And nicotine alternatives can be hugely helpful. Lucy offers a nicotine gum in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon and pomegranate. They also have lozenges which come in cherry ice flavor. Lucy is affordable. It'll ship right to your door. You don't have to go out to the store. Shipping is always free. You can buy single boxes or save with a subscription. It's the year 2020. It's time to throw the cigarettes away and get rid of the vape. And Lucy can make it easier. You'll find a ton of excellent reviews online from countless people who have used Lucy to quit smoking and vaping. Go check them out at Lucy.co. That's L U C Y dot co. The URL is in the podcast notes, and you will get 20% off when you use the coupon code Pacman. Quick disclaimer I'm required to give these products contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. One of our sponsors today is Magic Spoon. The reason I'm such a fan of Magic Spoon is they allow me to enjoy the delicious breakfast cereals I loved as a kid without all the sugar and without the unhealthy ingredients, because Magic Spoon makes breakfast cereal that you really can't tell apart from those tasty sugary cereals that we all know. But each serving of Magic Spoon has no sugar three net carbs and 11 grams of protein. So it's perfect for someone on a low carb keto diet. Just anybody trying to eat healthier and cut back on the sugar. You can choose from cocoa, frosted, fruity, cinnamon, blueberry or peanut butter. They all taste amazing. And Magic Spoon now lets you create your own customized variety pack with the flavors you choose. They really do stand by their product and will refund 100% of your money if you don't love it. No questions asked. Go to magicspoon.com/pacman to build your own custom variety box today and be sure to use promo code pacman to get free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show at davidpacman.com. It's really been an interesting four years from Sean Hannity. He went from already prominent right wing propagandist on Fox News really to a presidential insider. I mean, a friend of Donald Trump's who not so much recently, but certainly earlier on in his administration, Hannity and Trump often speaking on the phone at night. Hannity was sometimes the last person Trump would speak to before, I, I guess, going to bed. If, if that's something Donald Trump does, I don't know. He doesn't really seem to do anything the way most of us do. But in any case, um, Sean Hannity had really become an insider, sometimes traveling on uh, uh, Trump's uh, helicopter or on Air Force One. He would do these sycophantic softball interviews of Trump. He would do sycophantic interviews of Kaylee McEnany and many others. Well, 
Uh, Sean Hannity's ratings have absolutely collapsed since the election. And Eric Bollert has some great reporting on this. Fox has actually been touting the latest ratings numbers as a big win for Sean Hannity. And a lot of publications fell for it and they put together headlines that make it seem like everything's going great for Hannity. Fox, for example, running an article on December 16th called Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson set records as Fox News makes history in 2020 cable news ratings. But the truth is there's been a massive decline. Hannity's show falling into last place for the 9 p.m. time slot among what's called the key demographic, the 25 to 54 demographic. Hannity uh, stuck in that last place for two months now. Now, it is true that Hannity still has a ton of viewers in the aggregate, but the declines have been significant. And part of the reason is people are abandoning Fox for further loony right wing content on Newsmax and on OAN. I've been teasing that later this week we're going to look in detail at an incredible a focus group done by Frank Luntz with Trumpists. And many of them say Fox is too left. We're now with Newsmax and OAN. So part of Hannity's decline is that. And there's sort of good and bad there. It's good that fewer people are watching Hannity, but it's bad that lots of them are watching something even crazier instead. Uh, others have abandoned Hannity uh, and they started to in December when it became clear that all of Hannity's commentary about how Trump is just about to overturn the results. Any day now, this is the path. Mr. Mayor Rudy, tell us what's the path. Once it became clear that wasn't going to happen, there were some, I guess you would call them deflated Trumpists who also abandoned. And it's also relevant to think about the untold damage that Hannity did throughout Trump's presidency. And one of the reasons Trump didn't face the same fate as Richard Nixon is there's a far more radical Republican Party today. But another reason that Trump didn't face Richard Nixon's fate is the right wing media apparatus that's so robust and powerful in the 21st century that didn't exist in the 1970s during Richard Nixon's Watergate scandal. So this is funny because I mean, listen, it's funny because it's funny, uh, but it's also interesting because there are real questions about what right wing media will look like during the next, for example, two years, the first two years of Joe Biden's presidency and what will be the lead up to the 2022 midterm elections. Something else that's important, the size of the pie for radical right wing propaganda is not getting any bigger right now. So at the beginning of Trump's uh, candidacy and presidency, Trump brought in a lot of people who were never into politics that grew the pie for right wing media. People who never paid attention to politics started to Fox was after being against Trump early in the Republican primary of 2016 eventually supported Trump and all of this new audience, people who never watched the news before were watching Fox and Newsmax was able to get a little bit of it. OAN was able to get a little bit of it. Um, but now, as of 2020, the demand for radical right disinformation propaganda, it's not growing in the aggregate, which means that Fox News has to sort of split its audience with OAN and with Newsmax. So right now, when Newsmax grows, 
Some portion of that growth is coming at the expense of Fox News. When OAN grows, some portion of that growth is coming at the expense of Fox News. And it's more zero sum than it's been in a very long time. It's not completely zero sum, but that's also a factor. There will no doubt be an impact to Fox News from the reality that Newsmax and OAN have bigger platforms than ever. Who does Fox News need to appeal to now? They already have the oldest audience and those folks will mostly stay with Fox News rather than going to OAN and Newsmax. The people that they need to appeal to are the 25 to 54 key demographic who if you're 25 to 54 and you're watching Fox and you're not pleased with them because they're not right wing enough and you bailed to Fox to a OAN or Newsmax, how does Fox News win you back? I don't know the answer to that. I don't have an answer. And quite frankly, I don't care. It's for Fox News to figure out, but it will be interesting to follow. Now, one other note about the size of the pie. Contrast this with independent left wing online media. Independent left wing online media has been growing for two reasons over the last several years. Yes, part of it is being in opposition to Trump. The other part of it is that the pie is growing. And what I mean by that is there are more and more people who look for political content on YouTube. So when I get a new viewer, I'm not likely to be taking it from TYT or from Sam Cedar or others. It's more likely that someone is now getting their analysis on YouTube instead of from legacy corporate media. That's a very different dynamic, and I expect that that's going to continue. We now have the absolute final numbers for not only Donald Trump, but Melania Trump. We are turning the page. We are starting a new era. It is the Joe Biden era. And what is an unfortunate, irreversible reality now that Trump is done is that Donald Trump has exited as the least popular president in history for as long as there has been polling. And Melania Trump, not to be outdone, is the least popular first lady in the history of the U.S. for as long as there has been polling. Uh, I gave you the numbers yesterday. According to Pew Research, Trump's uh, approval bottomed out at 29 percent yesterday uh, on Gallup. Trump bottomed out at 34 percent. But we now have the presidency wide numbers. Trump's average approval throughout his presidency is 41 percent. That is the least popular president in the history of the polling era. Trump also the only president never to at any time in the Gallup tracking survey uh, have 50 percent approval. So Trump never hit 50 percent, averaged 41, a low of any president in history and going out at 34, the lowest of his entire presidency. Now, um, strictly speaking, it's an appeal to authority to say that a president's popularity tells us if they were a good or a bad president. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not saying Trump was good or bad on the basis of his approval. I am merely telling you that the guy obsessed with good marks and popularity and feeding his ego and being well liked is the least well liked president in the history of the United States during the polling era. Similarly, Melania Trump leaving the White House with the worst popularity rating for any first lady at the end of her term in polling history. CNN SSRS has Trump at 42 to 47. 
Um, first ladies are just popular. You might say, well, 42 is not that bad. First ladies often have 60 or even 70 percent uh, popularity. Um, uh, it, it's it's really something else. And to be to be perfectly frank, Melania was barely a first lady. She didn't do and didn't appear um, at many of the things and in many of the places that first ladies traditionally have appeared at. She was a complete and total non-factor. It seems pretty clear she wanted nothing to do with this presidency, and it seems pretty clear, at least from time to time, it wasn't clear she wanted much to do with Donald Trump. So we're really closing the book on this in a way that it's really not sad for me. The sad part is that their approval is even as high as it is. As I've said before, their approval ratings should be dramatically lower. But as uh, as Donald Trump famously said, it is what it is. And Trump will go into history as the least popular president in the history of the United States. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's something interesting. There's this uh, Trumpy right winger, Troy York, who's been calling into the show for years. And this is sort of like a last salvo from Troy York as Donald Trump is done and Joe Biden becomes president. Very confused, maybe sort of dejected, and just spreading a lot of disinformation. Let's listen to a little bit of it, okay? Take a listen to this. Yeah, why do you keep saying that uh, red states are the leeches and blue states pay into more? What? What? Well, you, because that's true. You talking about blue states cost more with the pension costs. Okay, so that see that now that. Blue states cost more with pension costs. That has nothing to do with what I was talking about. The, the frame here is that uh, if there were to be a civil war or a secession now, unlike during the Civil War, things are less clearly defined because cities are overwhelmingly left, whereas rural areas are overwhelmingly right. But that if you can come up with a sort of traditional blue state, red state split, the country that would be made up of American red states would be completely unsustainable financially, because as we know, when it comes to federal funds paid in by states or paid out to states, the blue states subsidize the red states. This has nothing to do with state pensions. The, the cost for the storing and locking up criminals, um, the cost of big government. Why do you keep saying that? The cost of big government. Yeah, it doesn't really sound like Troy York knows what he's talking about. Red states are more sustainable. They can actually take care of themselves, produce food. And and, and again, all of that is very wrong. I mean, food is an interesting one. There's no doubt that many red and purple states are big food producers. But you need only look at the top food producers of the country to see that California produces twice as much food as any other state. And then if you look at the top 10, there's a bunch of uh, purple and blue states there. You've got California, Minnesota and Illinois are top food growers. Wisconsin is a top food grower. So, yeah, sure. Many red states uh, produce a lot of food, but uh, it, it is not at all clear that uh, th that they produce more than the blue state it, it, on every one of these things. Troy is just wrong. Blue states are the ones that are constantly in debt very much untrue and are mismanaged and are not financially feasible. Yeah, I mean, it's that. So that's literally the opposite of the truth, as we've as we've looked at many times. 
Um, there are many more red states that without being on federal welfare, essentially money from the federal government, there are many blue states that would be sustainable. There are very few red states that would. And I don't know that the facts really matter to a lot of these folks. And that's why tomorrow we will be going through in detail or Friday. It depends if I have time. Uh, a very interesting right wing focus group with Trump voters done by Frank Luntz. We have a fantastic bonus show today and it's inauguration day. It may already have happened by the time you listen to today's show tomorrow. Full wall to wall coverage of the Joe Biden inauguration of the Trumpian right wing meltdown of the future of Joe Biden's day one priorities. Yes, we will be covering them and so much more. Get instant access to the David Pakman Show membership program and today's great bonus show by signing up at joinpakman.com.